What's going on, everybody, and welcome back to the Two Real Gridiron Podcast. My name's Logan Mitchell, joined once again by Bryden Mason. Bryden, what's going on, man? Doing good. Just found out yesterday that I got COVID, so <laughs> I'm ready to, to record some fantasy content. Get, get my mind off that. You feel me? I feel that. I feel that, and um, I hope the best. I hope you get well soon. Stay the hell away from me right now, but... <laughs> I hope you get well soon, brother. We're gonna record about fifteen podcasts in the next two weeks, so that you uh, you aren't so bored there. Yeah, I'm thinking a podcast for each day. I'm quarantined. That works. We got to get them out. It's been a little while since our last episode. I had some some technical difficulties. Lost a couple of recordings I had, um, but our last episode was the tight end rankings, and we kind of mentioned that we were going to take some time away. Because uh, we're still a pretty good ways from fantasy season, but here we are coming back with a fantasy-related podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about guys that we want to avoid. So, fantasy football players that we would advise you guys to avoid this season, um, whether it be based on value, like they're going too early, or it could just be guys that we do not think are going to have a good year in general. But I asked Brighton to send me five guys. And funnily enough, we both had four of the same five guys in our first initial crack at the list. So those four guys, I think uh, there's pretty good consensus on. A lot of people would recommend you avoid. So we'll get into those four guys first. Um, I ended up having both of us remake our list, and we got to where you're going to hear ten different names. But the four guys that we agreed on, we'll get into those guys first. And – uh the first guy that we both agreed we would like to avoid is Leonard Fournette. Bryden, you want to talk about a little, a little bit about why you want to avoid Leonard Fournette? Yeah, so uh, last year I believe Fournette only finished with three touchdowns. Uh, one easy argument is that this number is going to – like there's no way it stays the same. So I do agree that that number is going to go up. But he was also given so many carries last year, that and, and those carries were just unproductive. So I feel like uh, the Jaguars are going to limit the carries, go away from what didn't work last year. I think we'll see uh, Minshew throw, throw the ball just a little bit more. Uh, so I, I don't think we're going to see Fournette get as much work. And also, I, I'm, I'm just not quite sure on how, on how many scoring opportunities that offense will even have. Yeah, so that's really my biggest argument is that I think Jaguars might end up being the worst team in the entire NFL. It's the single worst team. And if they are as bad as I think they're going to be on offense and defense, they're going to be forced to throw the ball a lot. And also, if they're that bad, they're going to be in a position to land a quarterback next year in the draft, whether that be Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, or you know whoever else they like. But I think they need to see what they have in Gardner Minshew before they would make that move. So I'd expect them to put the ball in Minshew's hands a lot next year um, because they have to, for one, and just to see what they have in him because there's really no chance, no world where I think that the Jaguars are any sort of contender next year. And for a guy like Fournette, who they've already been rumored to want to trade and want to move on from, I don't think that really – points to him having a lot of usage yeah i i agree with that and uh i i don't have a computer in front of me but i i also uh 
I want to say Fournette was quite the threat uh, catching the ball out of the backfield last year. Uh, and I, I'm, I'm not quite sure if he's going to get that same opportunity. So I yeah, feel so- like in a PPR format, he may not be as valuable if he's not catching as many passes as he did last year. Yeah, so he's currently going as the 15th running back off the board, which, I mean, I, I don't hate. I've seen him go a lot higher than that in some drafts. He's going right behind uh, CEH. is right in front of him. Then you got Aaron Jones, Miles Sanders, that group, a little ahead of him. But so, uh, the guys going right after him are Gurley, Melvin Gordon, Le'Veon Bell, Chris Carson. So what I will say, like, uh, would you agree that there's probably a pretty big gap uh, from like the tier from CEH to like Fournette? Because that's kind of where I see like a distinguishable gap. Yeah, I think um, obviously just being in Kansas City is helps his upside a ton. That offense always produces touchdowns, always produces big time numbers from the running back position. And then Fournette, I just think there's such a question mark there. It really wouldn't shock me if he was traded before the season, even though those rumors have kind of died down a little bit. But there's just too many question marks, I think, with the Jaguars' offense in general. And then um, you get into the the next group of guys, like you talked about, Gurley. Uh, that like that's where the cutoff is for sure. I don't think there's any question marks with the CEH group, the Miles Sanders, Austin Eckler, that group. I don't think there's nearly as many question marks. But Gurley, Melvin Gordon, Le'Veon, there are some question marks based on their age, based on who they're sharing the backfield with. So, yeah, I would agree. That's about where the cutoff is. And if I can get Leonard Fournette in that range, I'm not saying I would not draft him in general. I just um, (laughs) – he would have to be pretty comfortably the best player on the board for me to be willing to pull the trigger on him. Yeah, I agree. Like like most of these guys that we're going to talk about, there's – like, like they're guys that I would like on my team, just not for their like current like ADP value. Yeah, I agree. Uh, but but also I will say with running backs in the early rounds, like my first three rounds, I would say I I want to get a running back that's on a fairly decent offense. Otherwise, I would like to fade that guy. Uh, there is some like some like some exceptions, but for the most part, if they're on like a bottom five offense, I would say stay clear of them. Yeah, I agree, especially um, a guy like Fournette, who I really thought if you watched Jacksonville play last year, which um, you wouldn't offend me if you didn't. They were not a very entertaining team to watch last year. But there were a lot of times that he really looked bad. Yeah. But he would break one 60-yard run, 55-yard run that would save his fantasy day. And um, he's just getting so much work in general that he was relevant in fantasy last year. But – he definitely didn't pass the eye test. I don't think he's like a, a high-end running back in general. And I think Jacksonville is pretty aggressively going to be looking to move on from him. Yeah, that uh, that one famous game you had where I, I believe his like first 15 carries were for negative yards, and he had that 160-yard touchdown run to save his week at the end of the game. Yeah, I think that was Monday night. It was either Monday or Thursday night football because I was over at, uh, at Mason's place watching the game. Yeah. It was me and Mason <laughs> over there. But <laughs> – he like he like uh, that night he wasn't about to take a dub, but f- like Fournette at the end helped him. Yep, he helped <laughs> he helped Mason take a dub. But <laughs> man, it was um. <laughs> but that was just kind of the story of the year. It felt like he would maybe break one big run a game, and if he didn't, he was awful that week. <laughs> and I think they're just a team that's going to be really bad. They have a ton of picks in the next couple drafts from the trades with the. Uh, you know, they sent Calais Campbell out, Jalen Ramsey out. 
they're completely, completely rebuilding, and I don't think he's a part of that. And I think they're going to use some of those young, unproven backs that they have more so than they did last year to see what they have. So I would just personally, I would stay away from Leonard Fournette unless you get into, I don't know, where would you take him? Where you're like, okay, I got to take him. Where would uh, it be for you? I'd probably consider him at the end of round four. It kind of de- depends uh, if the wide receivers on the board that I like are still there or not. Kind of like the Cooper Cup group. I, I would say he, he like he should come after that tier. Yeah, so I was thinking I would take – I think I would take Calvin Ridley over Leonard Fournette. Yeah, I would for sure. And then I, I don't know. I probably would take Fournette over like it, the, it, the it DK also depends. group. It also depends on, like, team need. I mean, obviously, if you, for some odd reason, go wide receiver, wide receiver with, like, your first three picks, you kind of do have to sit there and overdraft a guy if you need to. Yeah, for sure. Uh, But I would never recommend that. I will never come out of the first two rounds without a running back again after the way that that went for me in in our league last year. Yeah. But I will never, never come out of the first two rounds without a running back. But... In general, I think the consensus is going to be don't trust Fournette this year. If he ends up on your team, he ends up being the best player available. He will be a usable fantasy asset. I just don't think he is going to be a high-end running back, uh, a high-end RB2, which is where he's going right now. I think he'd be more in the – like right around that 20 mark. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. But um, you want to go ahead and tell us who the next guy that we both agreed on was? Uh, so the next guy we got was Dalvin Cook. And uh, due to the recent situation that came out yesterday with him holding out, he, he's a guy that I, that I would like to stay clear of. Uh, I, I do like his talent. I think he'll be really good if he can get, a, get on the field. But uh, I just think it's best to avoid that situation as a whole if you can. But it, it, there does come to a point in the draft where, like, passing up on him is just – like, his value is just too good. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I will say – in defense of Dalvin Cook, um, the new CBA, he won't get credit towards – like, he won't get credit for the year if he misses more than half the games. So, he he's going to show up this year because he wants to be a free agent. If Minnesota won't pay him, he still needs to show up for half the games this season, half the season, so that he can hit free agency this summer. So, he'll be there. I'm not completely scared of owning him just because of the holdout, but even before the holdout situation, I was kind of of the top tier of running backs. He was the one I was the most scared of due to his injury history. And then with this rumor coming out as well, with the the holdout coming as well, I'm staying clear of him, especially I know somebody's going to overdraft him always or um, draft him close to what he would have been worth without it. So I I wouldn't hold on to him at all. (laughs) I'd be willing to get rid of him. Yeah. Uh, what 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 round would you start really considering him in? Right now? Yeah. Um, I I guess like let's say we're closer, like we're in early August or like like early to mid August, and like like still much else hasn't can came out about the situation. Like what like what would your opinion on on him be at that point? So, I kind of look at the most similar situation. And I think you can argue that maybe Dalvin cook is better than this guy I'm about to talk about, but, and maybe not, but I would say the most similar situation we have to go from is just Melvin Gordon last year. And what Gordon missed four games. Four yeah. And, 
And I, and I remember Gordon dipping into like round four pretty consistently. So that's what I was going to say is with Cook, especially because the Vikings are so run heavy, I'd probably take him in the third, even with all these question marks. But I don't think he'll get there. I would probably get him in like in the middle of the third. I'd be willing to pull the trigger just because the upside's still there, but I'd be scared. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I, I would agree probably about round three is when I would consider it. Uh, once like my top tier and like second tier of guys like CEH are off the board, I mean, it, it would be really hard for me to pass up on him, especially when you can just sit there and grab Madison like round five or six. Like I, like I wouldn't mind doing that and, and locking up potentially like three elite running backs. And I want to – I genuinely believe that Madison, if this Cook argument holds up, um, if the holdout goes longer than we expect or he doesn't show up this season, whatever the result may be, I think if Madison is given the same workload that Cook had – Madison could easily finish top 13, 14. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking pretty safe. Like, I would want him over Fournette for sure. Definitely. I would take Madison over Fournette if he's given that workload. I would probably take him over Le'Veon in that group as well. Yeah, and I think with, with that, it, it just comes down to I – think, I think Minnesota will be pretty good. And they've already like, – like last year they showed that they want to run the ball. So I don't think them having Cook will really change that. Yeah, I think he – and I think Madison is pretty talented in his own right. He looked good in limited uh, limited use last year. So I think he could really pop off if given the opportunity. But if you're drafting this early, which you shouldn't be, but if your team was drafting this early, I probably would not draft either one, even close to what their ADP is right now, just because of the question marks, uh, not knowing. Or, I mean, Madison's ADP is still pretty low, but I'm assuming it's going to go up in the next couple days a ton. Yeah. So, just because we don't know right now, I'd probably stay away from both for the time being. But I Cook is such a talent, and he's proven that he can be such a fantasy workhorse that I'm not completely fading him. It's just I'm too... <laughs> I'm too non-committal about him. I wouldn't pull the trigger on him unless, kind of like I said with Fournette, he'd have to be far and away the best player on my board where there wasn't a guy with um, with even similar upside there for me. Yeah, I agree. You, you just want to grab, grab, grab a team that you feel confident with. that, Like you, like you don't want to pick a guy with risk. Because so. that happened with me with Le'Veon Bell a few years ago. I, I but was all on board with him uh, showing up to camp and then – he did not play the whole year, and I had him rostered the entire year. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and then you can't you can't trade him when his value is down, and you can't cut him then either. You know, yeah, so you're just yeah, kind of stuck really with it. <laughs> you're just kind of stuck with it. But we agreed on those two, and then there's two more that we agreed on. And um, I'll get this is one guy that I'm pretty adamant about staying away from, and it's not. Once again, I'll say it's not a question of his talent. It's um, just who else is there? And I'm talking about Nick Chubb in Cleveland. I know he had a good year last year, but Kareem Hunt is a damn good football player, and he's not going to be he's not going to be easy to shake off this year. I think Kareem Hunt eats into his workload a lot more than the general public is saying. Yeah, I I agree with that. I saw some stat where uh, once uh, Kareem Hunt came back for like the final eight games, he outscored Chubb six out of the eight games. And, and after seeing that, that was definitely enough for me to 
fade Chubb out of the first round. Yeah, and um, so we know Kareem Hunt is going to get all the passing work. We are that we know that from last year. No matter what, he's going to get seventy-five percent of the passing down work. And we saw what Hunt did in KC, which obviously is an elite, elite offense. So we can't expect that kind of production. But I wouldn't be surprised if that ends up being closer to a fifty-fifty split than most people are saying. So, like, you think Hunt is going to get 50% of the carries? I mean, I wouldn't say quite 50% of the carries, but pretty close to 50% of the snaps from passing down plus, you know, early down work. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. I think um, I think both will be will be relevant in fantasy. Like, I, like I think Chubb's still easily a top 15 back for me. Uh, easily. But it – you, you you just don't want to sit there and draft a guy super early. That's going to be in a committee essentially. Yeah. So I think I would still take him. I, I'd probably still take him over like the King and Drake group pretty confidently. So who, but, who who's in that group for you? Like, the, um, like Sanders, Eckler, Drake, those three. Yeah. So I don't know if I'd take him over. I don't know. I'd probably take him after Eckler at this point. I, I honestly think I'd pro. It's tough. I kind of want to say I, w- I would take Sanders. I, th- I think I, like I think Sanders will be really good there, as long as they don't add anybody else. But I don't really see anybody that's on the market that that I could see like, like sitting there and commanding like forty percent of the carries. So yeah, the big name that's still out there is Devontae Freeman, but I don't think he's going to really eat into that workload. And everybody talks about uh, Doug Peterson not really using a a workhorse running back, but he's never really had an elite talent at the running back position either. And from what I saw from Sanders last year, I think he was. So I definitely would take Sanders and Eckler over Chubb, I think. Unless something changes where we, I don't know, Kareem Hunt gets hurt or something where we think that Chubb is going to get more receiving work, I would probably lean on those guys more. But I don't know. King and Drake – it's probably about where I draw the line. Like I think I would still take Chubb over Drake. Yeah, I would. I would agree. Uh, that there's just so many mouths to feed in Cleveland that it makes it hard to see all of these guys being relevant at like the current ADPs that they're going. And I just want to ask you while we're talking about it, where do you realistically think Kareem Hunt could fit, finish? Let's say they're both healthy all year, fifty percent snaps. Like how high? Is Kareem Hunt ceiling? I think he could be hovering around like the top twenty, pretty close to it. Yeah, that's about what I was thinking. I think and then if um he's one of those guys that if Chubb gets hurt, he has like immediate top ten value, like no question. And and once you get to like the top twenty range, you can't really say that for a lot of guys. Yeah, so like Kareem Hunt versus Melvin Gordon. I mean, are you, what are you leaning there? I'd probably take Melvin Gordon, but I think it's closer than a lot of people would say. I, I would take Gordon for sure. Like, no question about that. I agree. I just, like, I think that's <laughs> with PPR especially. But I will say, I mean, when you look at it, it's like, so, I mean, Hunt's probably gone like two rounds later. So it kind of just depends on. On value, yeah. Yeah, on, on where you like the value. And so I would pro- probably say I would find Kareem Hunt on my team way more often than Melvin Gordon. 
Yeah, I, I agree with that. And I was um, I also in if you're in a dynasty or keeper league, that stack of Chubb and Hunt is extremely valuable because I don't think Hunt will be there after this year. I think he's shown enough in the eight games last year, and assuming he provides similar value this year, I think somebody will pay Hunt to be their lead back. So <laughs> I like them both long term, but in redrafts. It does scare me with how high Chubb is going right now, knowing that Kareem Hunt is there. And I just really do think – like, I don't think it's crazy to say that Kareem Hunt is more talented than Nick Chubb. I think it's pretty close. Yeah, definitely. And that just scares me. There's not another elite running back that you can look at and say – I mean, like, Zeke has Tony Pollard, but there's nobody out there arguing that Tony Pollard has the talent that Zeke has. So, yeah. that that's what scares me. I would stay away from him just because – just because of that. I mean, Kareem Hunt is coming and he's going to be there and it doesn't take a, it doesn't take a football genius to realize that Kareem Hunt is good at football. So he's going to find his way on the field. But there was one last guy that we agreed on. You want to mention that last guy for us? Was it Keenan Allen? No, no, no. Zach Hurts, man. Zach Hurts. <laughs> Zach Hurts. Tell us why. Tell us why though. Yeah, so Zach Ertz is currently going as like the tight end three. I I think he'll be a like a serviceable top top end tight end this year. But as the tight end three, I just I this is like a position that I would like to fade. Uh, last year he started off the season slow and he didn't really start picking it up until everybody else in that offense got hurt to where he was like the only option. And he still has Dallas Goddard uh, stepping at his heels. So I don't know. It just for where he's going, I there's just way too many question marks that I have. Whether it's his age, other guys in that Philly receiving corps stepping up, and then even uh, Dallas Goddard, his backup, who I think could potentially overtake him. Yeah, so that's that's my big thing is the Goddard argument. Um, we kind of touched on it with Chubb and Hunt, where Goddard might be as good as Earth at this point. When Goddard was given the majority of the targets. He was very great. He was really, really good. So I think the talent is there with Goddard, and that scares me a little bit. And then, like you said, obviously his best weeks last year was absolutely force-fed, and they didn't have any other options. Uh, But here's a couple names he's going right in front of currently. He's going right in front of Keenan Allen, who we're actually going to talk about too. AJ, Cortland Sutton, Mark Andrews, Connor, Calvin Ridley, Singletary, Woods. I think I'm only taking Ridley and Woods over him. And AJ uh, Brown. I'm taking for that matter. Like like every guy you said, I'm taking over him. I, I just see so much more upside with uh with all those guys. Whereas if you're you're taking Ertz as the third tight end, you're literally drafting him at his ceiling. So there, like there's yeah, no room for improvement at that point. Would, uh, would you I rather agree. have uh, Ertz or Mark Andrews? I think I'd rather have Andrews. Yeah. It's close, though. I mean, it's it's close, but the thing is, the value is, especially I look at a guy like Darren Waller, who you can probably get in, I don't know, two or three rounds later at least. Well, I will say, I was looking at, like, ESPN rankings. And, like, so for Dynasty, it's different. But for, like, redraft, I saw uh, they had Andrews all the way at, like, I want to say, like, 67. And then they had Ertz in, like, the high, like the high 40s. And yeah. I mean, like like 20 picks in between those two. Like I'd probably take 
Andrews more likely at pick 48 than I would Ertz. So Yeah. I, I agree. I just think the value at the tight end position, to me, if you're not getting Kelsey or Kittle, I'm willing to wait personally. Now, Andrews is kind of sneaking into that group, and it wouldn't be surprise me if he took another step and joined that group this year. But when you start getting into the Zuckerts, who is getting up there in age, could take another step back this year. And um, that next group, Waller, Hunter Henry, Evan Ingram, whoever it is, I'm willing to wait even later and just stream, guys. Yeah, so, I would definitely agree with that. So I just don't love the value of – Ertz where he's at. It's not that I think he's a bad player, but you got Goddard breathing down his neck and the tight end position in general I, I'm not too focused on in fantasy most years. So especially I mean, a guy like Calvin Ridley to me just stands out as I would never take Zach Ertz over Calvin Ridley in a draft. And that's where he's going. An average draft position right now. Yeah, there's just a bunch of reasons just to fade him at this point. Go for a high upside wide receiver. For sure, for sure. But then we had – um, so I promised we were going to get 10 guys total. That's four. We all agree. We both agreed on those four. We did not all agree on this next group. So I'll let you go first with one of your guys. Um, who is one of the other three that you wanted to talk about? Uh, so I kind of exposed it uh, before the Earth segment, but uh, Keenan Allen, uh, for where he's going, I just – just just a lot of question marks surrounding that Chargers offense that makes me want to uh, fade him. And he's a big name value, so I do think he's going to sneak his way up draft boards in, like, your family leagues with people who aren't very interested into fantasy and don't know that much. I could see him going a bit early. Uh, just with them adding uh, Herbert and then getting rid of Rivers and then Tyrod Taylor coming in for the potentially, like, Half, like first half of the season, just like that whole like QB situation just makes me want to avoid him as a whole. Yeah. I, I don't necessarily like, I don't have a problem with staying away from him at his ADP, but I'm not fading him completely just because I think his floor is still relatively high. Um, but I don't think the upside is there. Like a lot of the guys in the same range, just because I don't think, the Chargers offense, whether it's Tyrod or Herbert, is going to be very good this year. Yeah. Um, like, Keenan Allen's never been, like, a huge touchdown guy anyways. But with a lot of the guys that are going in his tier, I like, I could see a lot of them finish with 12 touchdowns or so. Whereas uh, Allen's finished with, like, six TDs, like, the past three years, I believe. So I don't see that number increasing. And I just see that offense getting worse. And then once once they uh, start playing Herbert, that's just a whole other like chemistry issue. I, I I just don't see that much upside with that pick. But like like once you get to like round five or so, he does get become like like too good of a value to pass up. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, like I said, I'm not staying away from him completely. But I look at on he's going at 41 is his average. And then 42 is A.J. Brown, 43 is Cortland Sutton, and 46 is Calvin Ridley. So I think I'd probably take all three of those guys over Keenan Allen this year. Maybe yeah. not. Yeah, AJ maybe Brown not. Ridley. But definitely Ridley. But for, for where Lockett Ridley is right 50. now, Ridley's definitely going to shoot up draft boards. Like, I guarantee. I, like, I, 
I feel like everybody's high on him. So there's no way his value doesn't increase. Yeah, I think it probably will too. I, I was just listening to a Fantasy Pros podcast that they're all in on Calvin Ridley this year. Yeah, and uh, that's kind of how it was with uh, Godwin last year, and everybody ended up being right. So I kind of like have a feeling it's going to be that same thing with Ridley. Even though I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't think Ridley will finish top three like Godwin did, but I definitely think like top twelve is quite the possibility. It's reasonable. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely reasonable. Um, so I'm getting to my first guy, and this one's probably probably going to make some people mad. I think this one's a little controversial, maybe the most controversial of all of them, is I'm kind of staying away from Jonathan Taylor in redraft this year. Um, and I'll just say, if this is Dynasty, I probably considered Jonathan Taylor a top 15, top 15 asset, I'd say, in Dynasty this year. He's that good. But they have Marlon Mack. They have Naheem Himes. It's going to do all the passing work. I think... Um, I saw a statement from their coach that said there were going to be games where Hines had like eight catches this year. So they still like name Hines. Mac is only under contract for the one year, but he is there right now. And I just think he is pretty much guaranteed to be in a heavy committee, at least for his rookie year. So in redraft, I'm not investing in that as early as he is going. He's going over uh, one name that really stuck out for, for me is he's going ahead of David Montgomery. And I would say he has more upside than Montgomery because the offense is going to be better. But you can pretty much pencil it in. Montgomery's going to get 250 carries this year. And I don't think Taylor comes close to that volume. Yeah. Uh, what's Taylor's current ADP? Um, where is it? 49. Right ahead of Lockett. Yeah, it's, it's tough. I feel like if uh... – it really depends on how like my team's like so, like situated at that point. If I need a running back to start for me like right away, like an RB two spot, I definitely won't go with him. But if I'm drafting like my fourth running back for some reason, I go like super heavy running back in the first five rounds. And he's like my fourth running back. Then I do like the pick just because you don't have to feel like you have to start him for, like the first half of the season. And then if he picks it up, you can sit there and trade one of your other guys or trade him. Uh, and fill up another spot on like on your roster. Yeah, I think I will say I was a little lower on him than most, even like going into the draft before we heard his landing spot. I had him as my RB three going into the draft, and then um, once we found out the landing spots, he's my RB two out of the rookie class. But I just didn't. Um, he kind of has a fumbling issue in college, at least. And Mac was good last year. He really was good. And then he has the receiving back that we know is going to be involved in Hines. I just, I think it's going to be at least for the first eight, ten weeks, it's going to be a very heavy committee. I don't think he's going to get a lot of volume early on. Uh, would you consider uh, David Johnson and James Conner over Taylor? I would take David Johnson over Taylor and redraft. I don't. I'm scared of Conner. With injuries. I'm surprised he didn't make my list, honestly, now that I think about it. Connor's <laughs> injury history kind of scares me. Yeah, I would probably agree. But, yeah, I would take David Johnson over him for this year. I don't know. Even David Johnson. I don't like David Johnson. I'd probably take Taylor, honestly. Because David Johnson um, has looked bad the not. past couple of years. No, I agree. He hasn't been – he hasn't been returning <laughs> – the value that was expected of him, but 
Houston, he's going to just – more. he's guaranteed to have the work. And that's why I said I would take David Montgomery over Jonathan Taylor this year because I'm confident that Montgomery is going to get a ton of work. Now, in Dynasty, I think it wouldn't surprise me at all, and everybody's talking about it with J.K. Dobbins, if Taylor has a kind of quiet year this year and then is an RB1 next year. Like, that wouldn't shock me one bit. But uh, I'm saying in redraft, I don't think Marlon Mack is going anywhere. I think he was good enough that he's still going to get a good bit of the work. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. And then we had – you had two more guys. Which uh, Who's the next guy you want to get into that you're staying away from? Uh, so the next guy I had was Julian Edelman. Uh, he's not a guy that's super high up on people's draft boards, but he's currently going as roughly like a wide receiver three. And when I look at uh, these ADP rankings, I just see so many guys around him going that I feel like have so much more upside. I feel like last year he kind of peaked. He had Brady dumping it off to him every play. Uh, and that offense was what I would say, like at its peak last year with Brady. Now you bring in Stidham. I don't think that offense will have that much opportunity. And uh, you don't know like who, who Stidham will target. So I think we're going to be seeing a lot of five catches, 40 yards from Julian Edelman. And like for where he's going, I mean, he's, he's a pretty safe play, but I do feel like when you're at that point in the draft where you're drafting like your third and fourth wide receiver, you, you want to sit there and get guys who have upside and who can potentially be a league winner for you. And I just don't see that with him. Yeah. That's kind of how the guys that are going around him, like you mentioned, um, I think Nikhil Harry is right in that same. I would rather have Nikhil Harry for upside reasons. Michael Gallup. Yeah, I agree. Michael Gallup goes a little earlier than Edelman, but I definitely would take Gallup over Edelman every day of the week right now. But um, I'm not staying away from Edelman completely. If he falls to me, I'll take him as a flex play. I, I think he's pretty much guaranteed five catches a game just from how he operates. It's just he's not going to get a lot of yards. So he's a pretty safe flex play. Yeah. I wouldn't stay away from him completely. It just like you said, it kind of depends on how your team is built. If I have a bunch of really high upside guys, guys that aren't necessarily proven from my first six or seven picks, then I would take Edelman just uh, for the safety valve, knowing I can play him in the flex. But, yeah, I don't love him this year either, especially with the question marks. I'm kind of staying away from anybody that has quarterback question marks. And he definitely does. We've never seen Stidham play. And I have no clue what kind of level he's going to play at starting his career. Yeah. And and I feel like slot guys that catch five passes, like for 40 yards a game, are just guys that you can find on the waivers anyways. So I, I don't think you should waste a seventh-round pick on a guy like Edelman. When you can get a guy like Hunter Renfro on your waivers, who I think will be serviceable at some point say, in the year. I was going to say, is it a hot take to say that that Renfro finishes higher than Edelman in PPR. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't say that, but I, 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 I don't know. Like for some reason, I, I saw like one article on him like a month ago, and he's just been the guy that who I like to target later in drafts I for mean, some I think, reason. How about May, mainly in dynasty? I don't know about redraft, but yeah, I don't know. But and, and what about um, redrafts? You taking Jameson Crowder or Julian Edelman? 
I would take Crowder because I think Crow- – I haven't looked at, like, ADP, but from my guess, I would say Cr- uh, Crowder's going a couple rounds Yeah, later. I think he's, like, 16 picks behind him, something like that. But – And I think their stats should be somewhat similar, like 900 yards, five TDs, yeah, something like that. Yeah, I would think so, and pretty – Crowder is a high-volume catch guy, a lot of close-to-the-line scrimmage stuff. I think he has just a safe of a floor, and he's going a little later. So I would agree – you can get guys that will provide similar value to Edelman a little later. So I could uh, I could get behind that one. I had um, the next guy that well, – I'm going to go ahead and say my next two, and we'll let you say your next two, um, just because my two guys are actually right next to each other or very close to each other in ADP, I should say. And um, it's DK Metcalf and Devontae Parker, and they're kind of for different reasons. Metcalf, I think the hype is just through the roof right now for what he's going to do in his second year. And I will say it's possible that he he breaks out, but there's some guys going. I've seen in multiple rankings and multiple (laughs) different websites, different websites, ADPs, him going ahead of Tyler Lockett, and I cannot get behind that at all. Yeah, I I would definitely agree with that. I, I saw some guy, I don't know on what app I was using, but he, he was saying he thinks uh, Metcalf's going to finish as a wide receiver one. And I, I I told him, I'm like, look, like he's in a run-heavy offense as the second option. Like best case, he finishes as like wide receiver 20, in my opinion. I, I, I just don't see the upside with him. Now, now long-term, I do like him, but I, 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 like, I just don't see him finishing as a – top 15 yeah, guys. So that's what I would say his ceiling is like right there at 15. And that would just be I could see him having a big game. A big game here or there like it wouldn't shock me if Metcalf had a 35 point week somewhere during the season cuz he's that kind of athlete that could just burn guys for a couple big plays, you know. But I don't think the volume is going to consistently enough be there. I think Lockett is still clearly the wide receiver one there. And um, it's really just that I think the hype is getting a little out of control with Metcalf. He's a guy that I like as a player, and I would be targeting if he was going at anywhere close to how I would rank him. But he's just going ahead of guys like Lockett, going ahead of um, – let me see. I think he's going ahead of Robert Woods right now. I take Woods over him. Yeah, I, I would too. I, I think uh, Metcalf's best best chance next year at having a super good year is just – uh, really, like really, like capitalizing in like the TD department. Other than that, I think his yardage will probably stay fairly close to what it is. He may he may reach like the one thousand mark, but I I don't see much more upside than that. But I I could see him somehow like finishing with like ten touchdowns. I th- I think he's a big red zone threat. Yeah, I I think he could have a good year, and that's what I'm saying. I don't hate him. He's a guy that I would pick if he was going about a round later than what he is right now. But there's just guys that I think are a lot safer, a lot more consistent plays that you're not relying on touchdowns for um, that are going a little after him. Robert Woods and Tyler Lockett are two names that I am 100%, 10 times out of 10, taking over Metcalf in any redraft league. Obviously, Dynasty's different because Metcalf is young and has a lot of upside. But in any season-long league, give me Lockett or Woods over Metcalf, and I'm not even really thinking about it. Yeah, I completely agree. And then the other guy I kind of linked with him is going 59 overall right now is uh, Devontae Parker. He's just one 
It's I really could piss off some Dolphins fans saying this, but I don't think he's that good. And I'm not trying to like I'm not saying he sucks. He had some shown some flashes, but there were multiple games last year that he was outperformed by undrafted Preston Williams. And now he we don't know how long Fitzpatrick's gonna be the starter. Tua is should start sooner rather than later, I would think. And Parker is a guy who I think has a lot of bust potential. He had a big year, but I don't think he's like necessarily arrived. He's going right ahead of Chark, going right ahead of Terry McLaurin, Debo Samuel, AJ Green, Jarvis Landry. I think I'd take all those guys except AJ Green over him. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, he kind of like the Dolphins really turned it on like the last like five games or so of the season. And that's really where Parker did most of his uh, dirty work, I guess. So, I mean, if, if the Dolphins stumble out of the gate just a little bit, I, I could see him struggling and not, not returning value at all. And I mean, there's also all, like always risk drafting a guy who took like four and a half years to break out. So, well, yeah, I mean, that's what it is. I just don't know if he's really, he had a good year, but he had a ton of volume last year, an absolute ton. And especially once Preston, uh, Preston Williams went down with the ACL tier is really when Parker turned it on. I think he was like a top eight wide receiver when he was the only, um, their really only guy at the end of the year last year, the last four or five weeks, whatever it was. But what I have to ask, why did it take him this long? He was a top 20 pick in the NFL draft and he hasn't been able to break out. And he really only put up those numbers when he was absolutely force fed, kind of like we were talking about with Ertz a little earlier. So I just don't know if he's really as good as the, as he was last year. I think he overperformed last year. I think he's a big major regression candidate. So in Dynasty, I would sell him now. Uh, I plan on selling him now because I do own him in a league. Because I don't, I would not be surprised at all if his value is about half of what it is right now after a down year. Uh, between uh, Parker and uh, Michael Gallup, who who would you rather have in redraft? Um, Parker, but yeah, I'd rather have Parker somewhat comfortably, just because his number two receiver right now is Preston Williams coming off an ACL tear, like I said, and I I'm pretty high on CD Lamb in general as a player, so I just think there's a lot of competition, but I think there's going to be. Like, when Gallup's on, I think Gallup's going to have some big, big weeks. I just don't know how consistent he'll be either. Yeah, I would definitely agree. I think uh, there's more upside with Parker. But I I could definitely see, like, like an argument where someone says, uh, like, Gallup has a safer floor. Because I, 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 I do think it's pretty safe to say Gallup's going to finish with, like, close to 1,000 yards if receiving. the Cowboys didn't draft C.D. Lamb, I'm drafting Gallup over Devontae Parker every day of the week. That's the only reason it's even a debate for me. I think Gallup's better at football. Yeah, it it would definitely be really interesting to see like where Gallup would be going if Lamb had not landed with Dallas. Because I do, I do think like there would be a big high trade for Gallup. We were talking about like, Ridley. Much, like, Ridley. I think they'd be the two that everybody were talking about as the two breakouts, kind of where Ridley is right now. 
because Gallup had a better year last yeah. year than Ridley did, uh, yardage-wise at least. Ridley had some pretty big touchdown numbers. I want to see he had 12 touchdowns last season. But I think that's about where he'd be going is right in that same range. But with Devontae Parker, I'd rather have McLaurin for sure. He's going a little before McLaurin, and I would take Terry McLaurin over him every single time. Yeah, yeah, I definitely like a guy like McLaurin a lot more. Right, but that's it for my five. I gave my five, and uh, we got two more of yours. So let's see if I agree with you. So I thought we were doing ten. Yeah, so we've done we've done five. Total. I've done five, or I guess we did the four that we both agreed on, and then I did three. So you have two. More. So I have one more. I have one more. Oh, yeah, so we're doing total. ten. I think we've done eight players so far. I could be. I, we could have done nine. Uh, let me see who else I see. Allen and um, Fournette. So we did. We did our Fournette. first. Oh yeah, you just have one more. Did, You're right. Okay. So we're gonna uh, include yeah, that. that. It doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, so my next guy I have is Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, he's just a guy I would like to fade at this point. He's going just a little bit too early than what I would like. Uh, I I think the Browns are going to be one of the more like run heavy teams, and I just see a, a lot of mouths to feed over there in Cleveland. So I'm just not quite sure if Odell's going to be able to return value for where he's being drafted as like the wide receiver twelve off the board. Yeah, Odell's all about his ADP. That's the thing. You just have to. I mean, he's going what as wide receiver eight or nine? I think. Last I checked, I know he's going before DJ Moore. And I would take DJ Moore over him very confidently this year. Yeah, I, I would agree. Uh, he's someone that I like because I definitely like see the upside in the pick. But just seeing how he perform, performed last year uh, doesn't really excite me with picking him. And then like the, the, like there's still going to be guys like Landry, a full year of Kareem Hunt, and then that, now they add Austin Hooper. And – and then we still don't quite know how good Baker Mayfield's going to be. So he, he's just kind of a bit of a question and Landry mark. was their wide receiver one last year. I mean, it's hard to – football fans kind of have a hard time admitting that because I, I think we all would agree that o, Odell is the superior player, excuse me, to Jarvis Landry. But Jarvis Landry was their best receiver last year. He was definitely on a better, better wavelength with Baker Mayfield at least. So – I really like Odell, and I think that he's too good not to bounce back some. Uh, I'm not, I'm not scared of drafting him, but I'll shoot off a couple names. I mean, I mentioned DJ Moore, but I'll just throw guys that he's going in the same range as DJ Moore, Juju, Mike Evans, Amari Cooper, Cooper Cup. How many of those guys are you taking over OBJ? I would definitely take Cooper. And DJ Moore for sure. Um, I want to say Cup. I, I also feel like Cup's going a bit later. Typically, I feel like I feel like uh, Odell typically, like typically goes like early third, and just at, like at that point, there's just so many other guys I'd like to pick. You still have some good running backs on the board, so I like I, I like Odell like around like around later or so. But for like the early third, I just think there's just so much value that you could have at that point. 
where I don't want to draft a question. Mark. Yeah, I agree. And maybe I'm just buying into the hype a little too much, but I think I would bet on Calvin Ridley to finish higher than Odell this year. I don't think I'm drafting him <laughs> earlier because I don't think like I think you could get him a little later. But it would not I'm <laughs> I think I would bet money on him finishing higher in PPR. Yeah, I could definitely see it. I th- I think I think Rid- like Ridley should finish around like eleven hundred yards or so, and I could see Odell like Odell even in like an off year last year finished with a thousand. So I think he'll be uh, pretty similar to that. But I also don't know if Odell has the touchdown upside because I think Chubb's going to get a lot of work in the red zone and Kareem Hunt. Yeah. So well, they got Stefanski coming in, their new offensive coordinator, and he is historically very very run heavy. So. Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's a ton of upside there. As much talent as there is, I could see him having a better year than he had last year. He's just too good to to not be relevant, at least, to not be a wide receiver, too. I feel like at worst he's a wide receiver, too, just because of how talented he is. But I don't think he has top five wide receiver potential like some of the guys that – I think DJ Moore has top five wide receiver potential this year. I don't think I don't see that with Odell. Yeah, I would I would agree. I, I'd probably have him around like my wide receiver, like seventeen or sixteen, and just in like those six spots, I feel like there's just a, a huge gap from like the wide receiver ten to sixteen. Yeah. That, so. I mean, that's how we agree on that one. I like Odell. Like I said, I would take him. I would take him at the back end of the third, not at the start of the third. I don't know how you feel about that. Yeah, it would just have to like depend on who's available, because I do like a bunch of like the wide receivers that you listed, mm-hmm. like Ridley. You can get him in round four. So if if I could potentially like fade the wide receiver position at that point, then I would go with a running back and then take take Ridley round four because I'd be just as well, happy. Well, yeah, that's after, just like, the thing in general. Is, like I think I'd be perfectly comfortable going into fantasy if I took wide receivers in the first three rounds. Let's say going into a fantasy season with a wide receiver trio of like Ridley, Scary Terry, and I don't know, Gallup. I'd be okay with that. I wouldn't be too worried as long as my yeah, running backs are pretty stacked. Yeah, I would I would agree. I feel, I, feel, like, I feel like those guys provide similar uh, value in terms of like floor and even upside to Odell, so... And you can always get yeah, them think, around uh, later. McLaurin's so, ADP so. is in the fifth right now. I, I think that's so. I mean, I, I'm hammering that for sure. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I, I would, I would agree because I, I think he'll see an upgrade from last year, uh, from his r- rookie year where he produced as a rookie. So I, in in bad circumstances, so I think and, he'll uh, be just as good. This coming I mean, year. I don't know how much it really matters, but he played his college ball with Haskins, so I, I kind of like that. Him and Haskins could have a little connection going there. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. I don't know if they well, really Haskins showed it this Haskins was just all out of year, whack but... <laughs> this past it... year, to be honest. He wasn't – I don't think they should have played him when they did. I don't think he was ready to go. So we'll see, but I just would – I think McLaurin is going to be far and away his favorite target. Yeah, I I would agree. There's also nobody yeah, there. Other than that, it's what, plus. Um, 
They got Antonio Gandy Golden, their rookie. And then uh, they got Sims as the. Yeah. They got like something Paul right Richardson Jr. I think. I don't know. There's a few guys that are probably going to rotate as that wide yeah. receiver too, but I, I don't think it's far off to compare. I would rather have Odell. I think there's. I would rather have Odell than Scary Terry, but I don't think that's a far off comparison, and that's what. That's why I would stay away at that ADP. Early third is a little too early for a guy who I think is very similar to Scary Terry, who you can get in the fifth. Yeah, and and I think that could be said for basically all the guys that we mentioned, that they're they're all serviceable fantasy guys, but just like for where they're going for their value, uh, there's there's just better options at that point. So if if these guys do fall. I would like to take basically all of them that we mentioned, but at, at this point, I don't. I don't want yeah, them on the my only roster guy for I where would they're say going. I'm like relatively aggressively planning on staying away from is Cook, just because of the holdout. And last year we saw with Melvin Gordon holding out, he did not come back nearly as good as we would have hoped. The people that held on to him and drafted him, he didn't come back really um, ready to go at an elite level, but. Other than that, I would take all these guys, just not where they're going. <laughs> yeah, ex- especially with Cook, because uh, the whole idea with Gordon was uh, he he sat out for like the first four weeks, and then Eckler came on and then completely stole the show. And I, 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 I feel like if Madison wasn't the backup, if, if they just had like some random in the backfield, I wouldn't be as worried. But I do think Madison could threaten to – like show out and then potentially make that like a committee once Cook comes back because I'm not sure if Minnesota even plans on yeah, resigning him. Yeah, and it's just like the the value of the running back position in general. If you're the cutoff is kind of at the I mean Cook and Mixon are the two right now that are looking for contracts. They're the main two that there's potential for them to hold out right now. And I don't know if I would pay them just because of how the running back position is, and. But we've seen that holding out hasn't really helped. Obviously, Le'Veon ended up getting paid by the Jets. But he ended up in a much worse situation than he was in, in Pittsburgh for himself individually. Obviously, he's getting money, but he's not putting up nearly the same type of stats that he was putting in Pittsburgh. And Cook is in a, a place that would make a lot of running backs jealous, I'd say, with how many carries he gets in Minnesota. So I, I don't know. I understand why they're holding out because – Running backs are underpaid, but I don't know if it's going to change. And for that reason, I'm probably staying away from Cook. Yeah, it. I definitely see like both sides because because Cook like he like he performed great last year, but he has had uh, injury is like history in the past. So I could see why why he would want his money, and then I could see why Minnesota would not want to pay him when they have a good backup right now. I agree. So. I agree. But those are the guys we're going to stay away from. Um, we're going to come back soon. Maybe tonight, since uh, we kind of mentioned earlier, Bryden's stuck in the house <laughs> uh, for two weeks. So Yeah, for two weeks. It might come out sooner than – even faster than I know. But we'll probably come back with some guys that we love at their current ADP, guys that we are hammering, picking everywhere we can, everywhere we can get our hands on. Um, that'll probably be our next one. And that'll probably come in the next couple of days. But yeah. you got anything else to say to close us out, Bryden? 
Well, I'm I'm sure we gave him a little bit of a sneak peek into oh, some, yeah. some guys a who are going to be A couple receivers. I'll probably have to – we'll talk uh, about some other guys. For, uh, so I'll just go ahead and spoil. I mean, Ridley, yeah. McLaurin, uh, and DJ Moore, I talked a lot about this episode, I think. Those three guys I love. So we'll stay away from those guys. I think I said enough in this episode to cover that. Yeah, but uh, thanks for having me on, Logan. I look forward to our next episode sure. while I'm in quarantine. Hopefully, uh, hopefully Corona doesn't spread through a mic. So yeah, I don't think it, I don't think it I hope, comes. I, I hope um, you're good. It goes through headphones. I'm pretty sure it doesn't. So I think all the listeners are okay this time. <laughs> That's good. I wouldn't want to worsen this uh, pandemic. But for stay safe, guys. Um, Bryden, hope you get well soon, man. I'm glad you're feeling all right. But I want to thank everyone. <laughs> <coughs> I want to thank everybody for listening to the Two Real Gridiron podcast. Once again, my name is Logan, Logan Mitchell, joined by Bryden Mason today. We'll see you next time.